Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, and thank you for choosing King Jordan Radio for Wednesday, May the 7th, 2014. Today we are on set to have CNN legal defense attorney Richard Herman. And uh, we will be talking about Oscar, the Blaine Runner himself. We will be talking about Donald Sterling himself. But first, let's hear from the commissioner of uh, basketball. Let's see. Stephen A., I'm sure you listened closely to the comments of Commissioner Adam Silver. Your reaction? Can't say enough. I think the commissioner did his job. I think he did an absolutely marvelous job. He banned him for life, um, and he put in the play for the owners to give three-quarters of a vote to get him completely removed as an owner in the NBA, essentially severing ties with the NBA brand and Donald Sterling altogether. I don't think it's any more than we could have asked for. It's any more than we could have hoped for. What needed to be done was done, and it was done in emphatic fashion, and I can't say how, how grateful I am to Commissioner Silva. I think it is absolutely positively the right thing to do. Stephen A., you talk to, uh, to many coaches and players on a regular basis throughout the association. Uh, I, I'm not sure that you've had any conversations with them since this announcement, but I know you talked to plenty of them leading up to it. What was the general consensus of what, what the players felt needed to be done here by the commissioner, and, and did it accomplish that? Well, his, the reason why we have to celebrate Commissioner Silver's uh, stance today and the position that he took is because it's exactly what the players were hoping for. They weren't hoping for a one-year suspension or an indefinite suspension or a fine, whether it be one or $2.5 million, the maximum allowed under in, in the NBA constitutional bylaws. They were hoping for something that was emphatic, severe, and finite and final. This is what they wanted. They wanted the man completely gone. Uh, and disassociated from the NBA brand altogether. So in terms of what Commissioner Silver could do, he basically stood up before the world today and made an announcement that he, as the commissioner of the NBA, did all he could conceivably do to get rid of this man and to sever all ties with him as it pertains to the NBA brand. And now the only thing left is for the owners to do, three, do the same by, uh, by giving uh, three-quarters of their vote to get rid of this man altogether. This is what the players wanted. This is what Doc Rivers wanted. This is what Mark Jackson wanted. This is what the coaches wanted. This is what the people that were planning on protesting outside the Staples Center where I'm at right now. This is what they wanted. It's what I wanted. It's what every black person I know wanted because we found his statements to be that egregious. We, we thought that the actions that needed to be exercised by Adam Silver would be severe, would need to be severe and emphatic and demonstrative in every way. And that's exactly how he came across. And it's exactly what we wanted. And it's exactly what we got. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to King Jordan Radio for the 7th of May, 2014. Today we're joined with a very special guest. He is a New York legal defense attorney. 
You can see him on Saturday. He's also a CNN legal analyst. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome one of the best in the business, the one and only New York defense attorney, Richard Herman. Good evening, Richard, and welcome to King Jordan Radio. How are you? Good morning, King. How are you doing? Good evening. How are you? I'm well, great. Uh, you know what? Stephen A., Stephen A., I like Stephen A. I've liked him over the years. I've emailed him. I've praised a lot of his commentary. But my right. man has got it wrong. He is wrong. The NBA has got it wrong. Adam Silver is a spineless, weak puppet who jumped and kowtowed to the NBA royalty Everyone who criticized what went down here, and he, like a little baby, he made his move. He's going to learn the hard way because he's going to get sued. The NBA is going to get sued. This Stiviano is going to get sued. Everyone's going to get sued here because, listen, 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 listen. This was a private conversation inside right. Sterling's bedroom. Now, the, the, the global and overwhelming, resounding, uniform voice against racism is wonderful. I applaud that. I join in that. I'm with everybody, okay? 100% on that. But if you, as an individual in the United States of America, cannot, in the solitude of your home, of your bedroom, speak to someone in confidence and say how you feel or what's bothering you, we got a problem, because this is not the United States of America. People are up in arms over the NSA. Oh, they're surveilling my cell phone. They're doing it <laughs> in, in, under the, the guise of protecting the country, and people are having a heart attack over that. This man spoke to a woman, and I'm going to put that in quotes, a woman who, by the way, has six, six aliases, by the way, who um, in the last two and a half years – took him down for $1.8 million in real estate, two Bentleys, wow. um, Range wow. Rover, and a ton of cash. And she and is the, she's the, the, quote, archivist, or the silly rabbit. That's what she is. Well, I don't know any, too many silly rabbits pulling down 2 to $3 million over a two-year period, because maybe something else is going on there, and I might call her something different than an archivist, but that's just me. Anyway... This guy has a conversation. Yeah, he has a conversation with her in private. And what is it? What's it all about? Okay, we only heard a snippet. You know, in law, there is a theory, and it's a rule of evidence, and it's called the rule of completeness. And many times in criminal cases, the government will play a portion of a surveillance tape. And they try to make a right. point by make, playing a portion. Well, the defense gets up and says, Your Honor, no good. We need the entire recording so we can take it all in context. Because if you hear a little snippet, you might just take it out of context. And we don't want to do that. Of course, the NBA commissioner never heard the whole tape. He heard a little snippet that was played. And by the way, in the state of California, unlike New York, you need two-party consent to a recording. You know, in New York... I can call you on the phone, and I can record you and not tell you I'm recording you. But in California, everybody has to know the conversation is being recorded, or it's illegal. There is an actual federal eavesdropping statute that can be violated if someone is surreptitiously recorded. Now, 
You heard her relay her lawyer's advice that he consented to this recording, but we know that's bullshit. Come on. He would never have consented to these ranting and ravings. It's ridiculous. So, in any event, he says to her, look, basically, my friends are giving me a lot of garbage. You... I don't care what you do in your personal life. You want to go to bed with everybody under the sun? Go ahead. Do what you want. But do me a favor, okay? Because basically, since I'm paying you 2 to $3 million, okay, do me a favor. Right. Don't publicize yourself on the Internet with pictures of you and black guys, and don't escort them and hoodlums and gang guys to my games. That's all I'm asking you. And if you can't do that, you know what? There are a lot of girls that will. I'm done with you. Move on. Live your life. Leave me alone. I got other girls that will do that for me. So it's up to you. Now, Barbara Walters brings her in the 2020 interview, and she sits down there and says to her, okay, so tell me, he's a racist, isn't he? And she looks at Barbara Walters square in the eye and says, no. He's not a racist. He does wonderful things. Look at all the wonderful things he does. I mean, he was teed up for the NAACP Man of the Year for a second time. Not once, for a second time. And, right. and, and he gave them millions of dollars in donations. And, of course, they didn't return that money. They kept it. They didn't return it. And uh, he brings two to 3,000 underprivileged children mostly minority children, to every Clippers game for free. So, look, at the end of the day, what happened to him and his real estate holdings 10 years ago, 12 years ago, when he was sued by the Department of Justice and he reached a confidential $3 million settlement, okay, that is whatever it was, it was. But there's no allegation by any member of his team the L.A. Clippers, that he is racist in any way, shape, or form. And in fact, his head coach is black. His whole team is pretty much black. His two stars are black. And every one of them are multimillionaires. And he signs the checks. He fired the white coach last year to get the black coach. He fired Danny Delano. Yeah. And by the way, and let's just put it, let's set it straight here. He was the first coach, first owner in the NBA to hire a black coach, Elgin Baylor. And when the team was in the crapper and they couldn't win a game, he didn't fire him. He kept them on. So when Elgin eventually left with sour grapes and sued him, yeah, he had allegations of racism in his complaint, which, by the way, he withdrew those allegations and a jury found for the Clippers and not for Elgin. So at the end of the day here, we are really, we need to step back. As my dear friend Johnny Jacobs, great criminal defense attorney in New York, passed away from pancreatic cancer, very young age. We need to, st- Stephen A. and everybody, everybody, Mike Lupica, everybody needs to step back a second here before I'll you judge him. this guy Sterling. Because What about Al Al Sharpton, look, I erase, Al Sharpton to me is nothing because I just have two name, one name for him, first name and a last name, Tawana Brawley, done. I don't need to say anything else about Al Sharpton, okay? Tawana <laughs> Brawley, 
Done. Al Sharpton's dismissed. So forget him. But a guy like Stephen Stephen A, who I have a lot of respect for, and, and the writers in the New York papers, you know, you're involved, and all these guys. Look, they are blasting yeah. Sterling, and they're blasting him. And you know, Michael Jordan is speaking out, and King James. Everyone speak. They didn't hear the whole tape. Number one, and number two, right. if you're going to burn Sterling for this, if you are really going to take and vent on Sterling for this, then you know what? Every single player, owner, and coach has to be subject to secret surveillance so we can hear what they're saying in their homes, in their beds, to their loved ones. We can hear them opine on what they think about players in the NBA. We've we got to hear that so that we can go ahead and, and throw all these people out of the NBA because if we do that, I'm speculating, I don't know, but there may not be an NBA, okay? And when you have a guy like Kobe who gets himself involved in, uh, in remarks concerning homosexuals, and you get a guy like Isaiah Thomas who gets convicted of sexual discrimination. I mean, he loses that case. Not convicted, but he loses a sexual discrimination case in New York. Okay, He loses it. They didn't take away his uh, Hall of Fame. They didn't take away his trophies. He's open-armed, welcome in the NBA. So there's something wrong here, people. There's something very, very wrong when we as Americans... Now listen, I, I, look, I, don't, I, am, I am a completely against racism. You know that. People that know me know yeah. that. I'm Jewish. If some guy in his bedroom, wants to rant and rave that Hitler was the greatest thing in the world and, and uh, the Nazi party was the best. You know, if they want to say that, I will fight for their right to say that in the privacy of their home and not undergo surveillance. Now, if they want to step out onto the street and incite rioting and, and carry on like that, that is no room for that. Okay, and I'll be the first ones to try to get them convicted. But to have a privacy right a right to privacy, a right not to have your privacy invaded, isn't that one of the solemn rights as a United States citizen? Isn't that something we all cherish? We like to be able to go home at night and, and whatever's on our mind, just let it rip. And she said, look, right. you've taken these out of context. He didn't mean it. He didn't mean the way it was interpreted. You know, so much it goes into interpretation of words. People can be fired up. They can be having a fight. Words can come out funny. Look, there's no question it was him on the tape, and there's no question that it wasn't really very nice, the things he was saying. But at the end of the day, he was saying it to a woman who basically he was buying. Now, that sounds harsh, okay? That sounds harsh. And people step back and say, whoa, you know, what are you saying? This woman entered into this relationship with her eyes wide open. What is she going to do in her life where she's going to make 2 to $3 million in a two-and-a-half-year period? Nothing. Nothing's <laughs> Nothing. the answer to that. So she locked in with this guy. And, you know, something, if he was such a racist, and we don't know what she is because she's described herself on her four or five previous arrests, by the way, um, differently. So we don't know. You know I think black? she's, yeah, I think she's part black and part um, Hispanic. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure, but I think there is some part black in her. Yeah. And at, at the end of the day, they asked her, you know, they didn't ask her, but she stayed with this guy the entire time. If he was such a racist, she could have just bolted, left, moved on, ignored him, not want to be around him. But no. She stayed with this man. She was his. She said she was his right hand man. 
Right, right. She even said that in the Barbara Walters interview. She's yeah. the uh, right hand man, and she's the uh, what? What the archivist or something like that? Yeah. What's an archivist? Well, uh, you know. Some people could say it's an archivist. Like I said, I got another word for it, not even close to archivist. But whatever she touted herself as, the point is, is that she entered into an agreement and a relationship with not just because it's a half a century in difference in age. Let's not get let's not get bogged down with that. Okay, I mean. I'm, I'm sure that they had scintillating conversation, and I'm sure they had a lot in common. This 82-year-old guy with this 30-year-old woman, I'm sure they could really relate and have a lot in common with their lives. But uh, he's, the largest, he's the largest landowner in Beverly Hills, and, and she is, I mean, what is she? What, what, what is she? You know, she just, I mean, she just came out of some rock somewhere and lock, locked into this guy, and at the end of the day, he says he never authorized or consented to these recordings. She then has, she is making them illegally, number one. And number two, if he did consent to them, these are privileged conversations. These are private conversations, not meant to be published to the world. And they're claiming that, well, she turned them over to one of her friends, and that friend is the one that turned it over to TMZ. You know, she has an obligation if she is the one recording him, which she was. And by the way, she was setting him up and baiting him in that conversation. Oh, it was so time. pathetic. It was so crystal clear and transparent what she was doing. So she was setting him up. Now, rereading the paper today, you know, she's under investigation now for extortion because that's the first thing that went to my head was she's setting him up to extort him. And sure enough, that's an investigation going on now by the district attorney's office in L.A. So <laughs> this story is going to play out even further. But, look, Sterling is uh, a salty dog. He's been around the block. He is a very successful businessman. He um, is an attorney. He knows a lot of attorneys. And, you know, he's 82 years old. He's worth about $2 billion, not million, billion with a B, a capital B. So at the end of the day, and he's got prostate cancer, so who knows what that prognosis is. Not very good. What, you know, where, where are we going? What has he got to lose? He's going to fight this tooth and nail, and I don't blame him, and I would too. And, and you know what? More and more you're going to see people coming around to what, I've been, what I'm talking about on your show tonight because the initial outcry was so overwhelming because we heard bits and pieces and everybody erupted on racism, this racist white owner. How could he talk like this? You know, and everybody went insane. All these misinformed morons jumped over this thing, went nuts, and this little meek commissioner, this guy who's just stepped in there, you know, is, is this his first year as Commissioner Stern? I, uh, I, I, uh, yes. I think it's his first year. So Adam he gets Silver. hit with a fireball, and, you know, all he's got to hear is that, uh, you know, Michael Jordan is criticizing it, and he's going to fall apart. So, you know, to come down, and number one in the history of the NBA, no owner has ever been suspended. So that's in the history of the NBA. An owner's right. never been suspended. So he's now suspended permanently, permanent suspension, and fined the maximum $2.5 million, which, by the way, is like you going out and spending $10. I mean, it's, and I know you're a wealthy guy, but still, it's chump change to him. It's nothing to him, really. And uh, he's going to... 
he, he's going to come up. He's going to lay $25 million on the first, on the group of attorneys he puts together and say, go get him. And it's going to be a bloodbath. I mean, it's good. as a result of what happened, he lost a series of sponsors. And what that does, yes. King, is that diminishes the value of the team. And that's yes. what antitrust litigation is based on. So he is going to say, look, your prime proponent, this Stiviano or whoever she's going by, she has six different names. So whatever name and whatever look and whatever disguise she's wearing today, this is the woman that you're relying on to bang me out of the NBA, and she says I'm not a racist. So you've got a really good case because you're going to blow me up here because you think I'm a racist? Well, guess what? Your own person says I'm not. So, you know, look, how it ends, I don't know. I think at uh, – you know the team. He bought the team in '81 for 12.5 million. It was projected initially before this thing exploded at close to a billion dollars. So that's a pretty nice investment. And say it's 800 thousand, 800 million. I'm oh. off a little, but still, that's a pretty, pretty, pretty profit on it. Pretty nice yeah, I think with his wife, I don't know what's going on with the wet and the marriage there. I don't know where she's going. I don't know where he's going. They seem to kind of be made for each other, and they seem to be like uh, like a, a wrestling tag team. You know, one gets yeah. tapped, and they go in the ring and fight a little, and then they tap the other one in. So I, I, I think the the wife is in the ring now saying, oh, I agree with Stern. Get my husband out, but I'm the owner of this team, and I ain't going nowhere. You know, one of those things. So, you know, and that and seems like yeah, the, she was advised to do that. The, yeah, the lawyers told her to do that one. So I, I, I like it. I mean, the trust—it's the the Sterling family trust that actually owns the Clippers. It's not him individually. It's the Sterling family trust for which he and his wife. That money goes right to them, though, right? He yeah, gets all so that money anyway. He's, he's just not around. Anyway. Yeah, unbelievable. So I don't all know right, where this thing's going to end up. Yeah, here's a clip of the wife, and I want you to just take on the other side. Explosive recordings of a racist rant could be the downfall of NBA owner and one of the richest men in L.A., Donald Sterling. And tonight, we have exclusive video allegedly of his wife, as claims surfaced that she, too, may have made racist comments in the past. Here's ABC's Ryan Smith. Are you a racist, Mr. Sterling? No, of course not. She has been one of his only defenders. You Are you a racist? Oh, forget it. It's not true. Not true? No, of course not. Shelly Sterling, wife of billionaire Donald Sterling, whose rants caught on tape shocked America. Yeah, it bothers me a lot that you want to broadcast that you're associating with black people. And may have cost him the thing he loved the most. I am banning Mr. Sterling for life. But today, court documents reveal that Mr. Sterling isn't the only accused racist in the family. This from one of their tenants. Quote, I asked her, would you reduce the rent? And she said, quote, who do you think you are, you black? In court motions for a lawsuit, tenants and employees described Mrs. Sterling as making offensive comments as she entered their apartments. Mrs. Sterling denies the allegation. A property manager said Mrs. Sterling commented that, quote, Hispanic tenants were filthy. In sworn testimony, it was said that Sterling would say that black people stunk and attracted vermin, that Mexicans just sat around and drank all day. It was old school, visceral, like 19th century sort of racism. It was things that just jumped off the page when you looked at him and said, oh my goodness. Did you take a picture of that picture? Okay. 
and one of those tenants backed that up with what he says is video proof. And you're saying Ms. Shelby from the health department? Yes, sir. Okay. Meet Mrs. Sterling. In video exclusively obtained by ABC News, allegedly posing as a health inspector to gain illegal access to apartments. They tried to do everything to get their African-American and Latino tenants out of the building. It all came out on a day when the Clippers were trying to put it all behind them. Out from under the shadow of their controversial owner, the L.A. Clippers, suddenly the hottest property in pro sports. A glamorous list of big names buzzed about as their next owner. Oprah Winfrey today saying she's, quote, in discussions with music mogul David Geffen and software billionaire Larry Ellison to make a joint bid for the Clippers. Oprah! Just yesterday, she said she wasn't interested. Any chance you'd buy the Clippers? No, I won't be buying the Clippers, but I hear Magic Johnson might be. Did you hear that? Magic Johnson denies he wants the team. Floyd! But yesterday, championship boxer Floyd Mayweather Jr. said he does. Do we want to buy the Clippers? Yes, we do. We're very, very interested in buying the Clippers. One potential owner, Mrs. Sterling herself. Just yesterday, the NBA commissioner was supportive. This ruling applies specifically to Donald Sterling and Donald Sterling's conduct only. Doc Rivers was no. also supportive. She didn't do anything wrong either. And um, you've, you, you, you have compassion for her. Now, Doc Rivers says he feels bad for her. No, no, no. They appear to be cut from the same cloth on this issue. And you say you're Michelle yeah. from the health department? Yes, sir. But today's new revelations may change all that. Once people get a broader idea of how involved she was in Sterling's activities, I see no way possible that she could own the Clippers. Among those alleged activities, court documents reveal this from Summer Davenport, a former Sterling employee. Quote, the purpose of announcing that Mrs. Sterling was an agent of a government agency was to gain entry into the tenants' units to determine which tenants she would like to evict. But before any sale, 75% of NBA team owners must vote to force disgraced Clippers boss Donald Sterling to sell. Earlier this week, Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban raised concerns. If we're taking something somebody said in their homes and we're trying to turn it into something that um, leads to you being forced to, to divest a property in any way, shape, or form, that's not the United States of America. But yesterday, Cuban tweeted his support of the NBA's decision to ban Sterling. Today, ABC News called all 29 team owners to ask how they would vote. They all told us the NBA asked them to stay silent. Only one of them, Vivek Ranadive of the Sacramento Kings, said he would vote to oust Sterling. These teams really belong to the fans and to the players. Uh, we owners are simply custodians, uh, and so I fully expect that Commissioner Silver will get the support that he seeks. Today, LeBron James, basketball's biggest star, turned up the pressure on the owners. No matter how long it takes, no matter how much money it costs, um, we need to get him out of there. You know, whoever's associated with him, he doesn't belong in our league. The NBA hasn't yet announced when the big vote will happen. So how do you think the owners will vote? Will they vote to kick Donald Sterling out of the league? No question about it. He's gone. It's a done deal. So we're all anticipating that it'll be, believe it or not, unanimous. Now, all they need is three quarters of them to vote in favor of boosting him out. But from what we're hearing, we expect 29 to nothing. Sterling himself has been in seclusion. And V. Stiviano, the woman also heard on that tape, last night had some bizarre comments of her own. One day I will become president of the United States of America. And I wish change the legislation and law. And at another point, 
she roller skates away from reporters. I'm Ryan Smith for Nightline in Los Angeles. Okay, Richard, what is your opinion of the wife of Mrs. Sterling and what you just heard on that clip? They're, they're talking about, first of all, she's a businesswoman and she runs a business, okay? That's number one. Um, right. <clears throat> these allegations that they're talking about occurred some 10 years ago, okay? Again, it has nothing whatsoever to do with the ownership of the L.A. Clippers, with the management and control of the team, or how they treat their employees. There is not one, one, one complaint, one claim, one scintilla of evidence that either of the Sterlings have acted in a racist manner with respect to any of their NBA employees. And that's a pretty powerful statement. That is a very powerful statement. And Cuban, he knows, Mark Cuban knows, deep down, he knows what's going to happen here. He knows this is really bad for some of the other owners because, you know, you don't want who, he who cast the first stone, you know, your people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. You don't know the mindset of these people. Wouldn't you love to hear some of Michael Jordan's inner thoughts about some of the other coaches and players in the NBA, especially the white ones? I'd like to hear his opinion of some of that. You know, people, <laughs> they've got to be very careful here. There's a lot of pressure on these owners to throw Sterling out because, you know, God forbid they don't, you know, then all of a sudden they're in, in their particular environments, maybe those fans take it out on those teams. I don't know. With respect to the Knicks, they need they need all the help they can get. So I mean, I don't know what this guy has to do for the Knicks. Maybe he has to just go ahead and agree to everything. But um, we need Phil to coach the Knicks. We got to stop looking for a coach. We've got the coach. He's there. He's in the head office. Put on the suit and go down on the court and coach the Knicks. So, um, but I think that I think the owners are going to succumb to the pressure just like the commissioner did. And I think that uh, you know it's one thing to suspend someone it's another thing to compel them to divest their ownership interests it's another thing and and in the nba bylaws by the way which is a very secret document the nba constitution and bylaws it's not read you can't find it you can't google it online and there it is it's a very secret document but from what i'm told and what i've read the only provisions in there for the nba to take back a team are when a team is struggling financially that's it Right. In other words, there has to be basically financial disarray in order for the NBA to step in and tell an owner, look, it's no good for you. You've got to go. Here, we don't have that. This is a vibrant organization. They're making a lot of money, and uh, that's not where this is at. This is something where everybody has just jumped the gun. There's on bits and pieces of information. Nobody is fully knowledgeable on everything. Sterling is doing the right thing by keeping his mouth shut right now, but he needs to get himself a mouthpiece. He needs to get a lawyer in there, someone well-respected, intelligent, who knows the law, who knows the Constitution, not only the NBA Constitution, but the United States Constitution, and who can stand up to the press and start to say his position because it's all incoming on him right now and he's getting blasted so someone has to get up there if he does not would you advise he has no chance of getting I mean I would offered him my assistance I offered him my assistance he hasn't called I can't believe it but um, he, he needs someone <laughs> to step up now because if he doesn't what would you advise him to do though, in terms of like uh, PR mode to make himself well, look better 
I think some of the things that I said tonight are um, what has to be relayed to the public because people just don't understand. They don't know. They're hearing bits and pieces which are being spun out of control and then conjecture, and then the story changes. You know, remember you were in school and, and you had your class and then the first person was told something and they had to tell the person next to them and the person next to them. And by the time it got to the last person, it was nowhere near what the first person was told. Remember that game? Right. It's a great, it's a great, oh, great yeah. game. And, yeah, and here, that's what's going on. People are not right. informed. They don't know really the bottom line here. They don't know the context in which any of this stuff was said. They don't, you know, they're not thinking about their own constitutional rights and their, their ability and their, their privacy rights to be able to speak in their own home. But this guy stood up in a microphone at a dinner and started spewing this stuff off at a dinner. I would be leading the charge to get rid of this guy, get him out of, get him out of everything. I'd be leading that charge, but that's not what happened here. He didn't. He, this was right. never meant for public consumption. He never, in his wildest dreams, had an expectation that what he was saying in the solitude of his home and his house, where he was cheating with on his wife with this, I don't know what she is. V something. V is good for her. That's a good name. Yeah. V. Yeah. Yeah. V. Anyway. <laughs> This V, but he could have been medicated. He could have been yeah. drunk. He could have been medicated. He could have been on cancer meds for the the the, uh, the the cancer that he has. You don't know. I don't know the circumstances, and I haven't heard the whole tape. Don't you think the guy at least needs need, needs to have the entire tape played for someone to make an intelligent and informed decision on what what happened here? And you know what? They're never going to get that whole tape. It is never going to be turned over to the NBA because. If TMZ has the entire tape, and I don't know that they do, but if they have the entire tape and TMZ turns that entire tape over to the NBA, he'll be suing TMZ for invasion of privacy. So, you know, this is a real hotbed. This is a potential. This is a great um, bar exam question for, you know, kids graduating law school and and looking to, to pass a bar exam. Just issue recognition. Just name as many causes of action that you can come up with here because they're going to be endless. And, uh, you know, this Sterling, you know, I don't agree with his politics. You know, I'm I'm not praising this man. Don't get me wrong. I am not standing up on a soapbox praising him, saying he's the greatest thing. I'm not saying that. No, I'm not. I'm not saying I like to hear... Yeah, I'm not saying I like to hear what he's. Hey, I played football for White Plains High School. My predominantly, my entire team was black. I love these guys. I went to parties with their houses. I, I, I mean, I hung out. These were my friends. Some of these were my best friends in high school. I am not racist in any way, shape, or form. And but this man has a right to say what he wants in his own home. That's the point. And he has yeah, a reasonable expectation of privacy in his home that his conversations are not going to be broadcast to the world. That's my point as a lawyer, as a criminal defense attorney, as a defense attorney. That's my take on this. 
That's where I'm coming from. I'm taking an objective standard here. I'm not getting wound up in the subjective, and I'm not going off on tangents about how horrible, you know, how racist this man is and thick-headed. I'm not going down that road. That all may be true. I don't know. But it certainly hasn't been exhibited in his ownership of the L.A. Clippers. And the only evidence we have right now is something coming out of a woman who's been arrested four times, who has six aliases, <laughs> who's 50 years younger than him, who made almost $3 million in two and a half year period of time, who thinks she's an archivist or a silly rabbit. She's the one that illegally recorded him and released it to TMZ and who now is being investigated for extortion. That's all I'm saying. Right. you got to look at both sides. Uh, according to Al Sharpton and the Reverend uh, Jesse Jackson, there was only that one side that we have to look at. Uh, Jesse Jackson didn't point out what you're pointing out. And you're very true. Uh, I always felt that this is innovation. What you say in the privacy of your own home should be said, you know, you know, just said and kept there. It shouldn't leave the house. So terrible uh, job by the commissioner. Uh, and uh, it, we'll see uh, what goes. I don't think he's going to sell the team. Uh, he said he's not. Well, I think so, if, well, I think if, if he... If, if if he is out and his wife and the trust are allowed to continue ownership of the team, I think that, you know, that is a compromised position here. However, because of people like um, Al Tawana Brawley Sharpton and uh, the right Reverend Jesse Jackson who has, and we don't have enough time for me to point out all yeah. of the shortfalls. Um, you you give something about Jesse if you like to. <laughs> I, I got I got so much on him that we need much more time for him, and and I hope his son is doing okay right now. But you know, we have—he's not—he's home, right? Uh, or maybe not. Anyway, I, yeah. there's so much. These people will rile people up. You know, it's the same thing with uh, the Zimmerman case in Florida. You know, nobody knew the true facts of the case. Everybody just reacted. They just reacted to a perception of what they thought was yeah. going on. And a perception of a white man with an arm with a gun chasing down a poor, uh, defenseless young teenage black man and killing him—you know—that's a horrible perception, and it really is. And you you want to vomit when you hear that. It's so repulsive. But then all of a sudden, you need to look at all the facts of the case. And when you do that, there could no, there could be no other resolution than what the jury came up with. But people like Sharpton and like Jesse Jackson—they don't look at the full picture. They're in it for their because they're 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 just ego, self-promotional whores who want their name and highlights that they don't care about the search for the truth or to be objective. They espouse a one-sided position and it riles people up and you don't get the full picture. That's, I just want to look at, you know, and when I open with a jury in a criminal case, I remind them in my opening that there's two sides to every coin. It's just not heads all the time. There's two sides, and you've got to have an open mind before you make an intelligent, informed decision. And if, if after hearing everything, you believe that this is a racist who should be out of basketball, I support your right to publish it in a newspaper, to jump up and down, to do anything you want, as long as you base it on solid foundation of knowledge, of facts, 
and come to your conclusion. That's fine. But don't do it on what some people told you they perceive the situation to be, and don't do it without you really investigating and educating yourself. That's the point I'm trying to make. And, uh, you know, I'll be happy to get on there with Stephen A. and go at it with him one-on-one, because in the end, he will have to agree with me. He would have to agree with me. I wouldn't let him continue. He would have to agree with me because he's an intelligent guy. And they're just jumping at this opportunity to take down this, you know, this, this slave owner white man who treats his, his players bad. He doesn't treat them bad. You heard the coach just now say he feels sorry for the wife. You know, there's, I, you know I don't know. There's going to be a big investigation here, I think. And uh, Sterling needs to, to arm up right now. He needs to put together a great legal team, and not like the one that A-Rod put together, the joke team with Takapina and, and all these other lunatics. Yeah, who just raped you them financially. You've got to be a part I, of that. I got on CNN last week. I offered my assistance to him, and not that I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm the absolute best, but you know, I'm one of them. I think, and I think I could help this guy. He needs help right now because otherwise, you know, they're going to vote him out. I mean, I don't. It's it's a, it's a train. It's a it's a, it's a steam train running, and it's out of control right now. It's going downhill, and and you know, something dramatic has to happen to stop that momentum. Otherwise, you know, even Cuban, if he wants to vote no. You know, he's, you know, the 75%, that's pretty much of a lock. You hear these guys talking. Um, he needs yeah. to do something to stop the momentum right now. He really does. Okay, the Blade Runner trial has resumed. Um, let's hear this clip of the summary, which went down this week. Barry Rue continued calling defense witnesses to the stand on day 27 of Oscar Pistorius' trial in the North Gauteng High Court. Now, you'll remember that when Harry now called witnesses to the stand, neighbors to the stand, he called neighbors that were about 170 kilometers away from Oscar Pistorius' home. Barry Rue has done something quite different, and he's calling neighbors to the stand that live directly next to Oscar Pistorius. It's a clever move because one can assume that those neighbors closest to Oscar Pistorius would have a greater idea of what happened on the morning of February 14th. Michael Flengetwa was the first person to be called to the stand. He described a very cordial and friendly relationship between him and Oscar Pistorius. They both shared a love of cars and apparently Pistorius often stopped by to show Flengetwa his new vehicles. On one particular day, Oscar Pistorius introduced Reba Steenkamp to Michael Flengetwa as his fiance. Flengetwa describes being woken to the sound of screaming on the morning of February 14th and although he was pressed by Harry Nell, denies hearing a woman's voice. He insists that the voice was male and that it was absolutely panicked. Shangetwa's wife, Iontle, took to the stand straight after him and confirmed what her husband said. She said that she woke up to a bang. She went to check on her daughter and realized that the sound had come from outside her house. After that, she said she heard a very shrill voice, but that shrill voice was definitely a man. Iontle even went so far as to relay what she heard to the court by making the noise herself. She also said she heard a voice say, no, please, no, but that voice was a man the whole time. Neither of them say they heard shots. Next to take to the stand was fellow neighbor Rika Motshwane, who confirmed what the Schlengetwas had said. She didn't hear a woman screaming. Instead, she heard a man. 
She was on the stand very, very briefly and court adjourned early to be picked up again after election day on May the 8th, that's Thursday, at 9.30. Okay, Richard Urban, uh, what is your take on the uh, Pistorius trial as it winds down? All right, King, listen to me and all your listeners. And I hope you have a nice group listening tonight. And welcome, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show. King, I'm going to ask you and your listeners to um, close your eyes a second and tell me what you had for dinner last Tuesday night. Do you know what you had for dinner uh, last Tuesday night? No. Okay. These people are testifying to facts and events and circumstances which took place months and months and months and such a long time ago. And, and the neighbors are doing it with precision. The, uh, the immediate neighbors are. The prosecution witnesses are. This is all, this testimony is just, to me, it's a little incredible. And the way they handle the trial over there, and it's much different than our system in the United States. It's, it's more of a summation-type cross-examination of witnesses. It's, I'm finding it fascinating, actually, and it's just amazing that you can actually argue with witnesses like this and uh, the judge doesn't right. stop you because here, you know, I, I start to do that here and I'm getting admonished and then I'm getting threatened and then potentially I'm getting the, you know, the held in contempt. So you'd like to be able to do that, but you know, we just don't do that here. Perhaps we are more civilized. Right. Than them, but in any event, um, look, this is a, a little crazy case here, and uh, it, there's just a dichotomy going on in that courtroom, which not a lot of people are recognizing. And that you know, pretty much South Africa is predominantly black, and the white population is really um, quite uh, minimal compared to the overall population. And of the white population, the Afrikaner sect um, is even much more smaller. Uh, and, you know, the Afrikaners who were in the regime running South Africa for years, you know, mandated uh, racism and uh, anti-Semitism and just, just a horrible, horrible regime. Well, you have here a black judge, a female black judge, who probably felt right. the wrath of that racism. You have a white defendant, Afrikaner, being represented by a white Afrikaner, and it's just, there's got to be enormous pressure on this judge to be objective. Oh, now, yeah. One thing, one thing we don't, we don't really, we're not, we're not sensitive to this because, you know, for us, Oscar Pistorius, okay, so, you know, he's, I mean, the guy, you know, was in the Special Olympics there and did phenomenal, and, you know, to, to his, his physical ability to do that is just amazing, and, you know, three cheers, but we don't realize what a cult hero he is in South Africa. Um, you know, it's like O.J. status over there. I mean, he is um, well-loved and regarded and, and a hero cult-like status in South Africa. So right. uh, I, I don't know how that's going to impact this judge, who to me is going overboard to be fair with him. And, and you know, that could be... I, I can't read her because it's one of two things. It's either, you know, these judges go overboard to show their fairness and then turn around and slam you, or she's a little intimidated by the whole situation and is just going to break down and, and exonerate him. Now, you know, unlike the United States, this judge is going to be the sole arbiter, the sole person to make a decision. So 
him sitting there crying these crocodile tears and wailing in the courtroom, you know, if a jury was there, that might have an impact on them. But this judge, and this is a this is a jurist who's here to examine the evidence only and not get caught up in emotions. And and I don't, I, I'm just, I can't read her. I I don't know. But to me, the story is so preposterous. That and I know that there is a huge crime rate in South Africa. It's something else we're not we're not we're desensitized to. A huge right. huge um, crime rate in South Africa, where his house has already been broken into in the past, and uh, you know and 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 he look the it's face a very poor neighborhood, right? not a nice area and he's vulnerable without you know his prosthetics on so i could see where someone would want to have a gun i could see how someone could be scared but his the girl his girlfriend is supposed to be in bed with him and he hears a noise and his first impulse isn't to reach over to her and say honey are you okay get down i'm going to see what this is it's not it's to grab a gun and then go and you know open fire on a closed bathroom door, not even ascertaining whether where his girlfriend is. And uh you know, I mean, to me it's 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 more akin to, you know, she was like their relationship was disintegrating at the end and she was resuming a relationship with a former lover that she had and you know, I'm assuming he knew this and I'm assuming that this was weighing heavily on his mind and, and maybe the screaming at night was them having a fight and that, you know, she feared for him and, and she locked herself in that bathroom. I have no problem with her locking that bathroom door, none whatsoever. And, you know, it could have been him banging on that door. He opened this door, opened this door and she's saying, get away, I'm not doing it. And that's the scream people could have heard and then out of frustration and we know he's a mental case with guns because he's got you know a prior history of shooting these things off you know he opens yes. fire in that bathroom and you know it wasn't until the fourth shot that actually killed her so she was alive after the first second shot even though i think one of them hit her, hit her in the hip so and that could have been her screaming i don't know to me his version his defense is a little preposterous and uh I could see them coming down and convicting him on first-degree murder. Now, this judge has the option to convict him of a culpable homicide, which is like manslaughter, in which case she could sentence him to zero to like 20 years. So she has that option. But if she convicts him on first-degree, that's life in prison, no death penalty in South Africa. That's life. And uh, I, I just it's, – it's hard to read this judge, and uh, I haven't watched – you know, I haven't watched this case religiously like I did with the uh, Zimmerman case, so I, I don't know every nuance that's been going on in the courtroom. But uh, to me, his defense, um, look, if, if you believe that, if you think there's a conflict in the screams and what could be going on there, and if you believe that he thought he was getting, in his state of mind, he thought people were breaking into his house, you know, and, and you think he feared, you know, there was no ladder found by the bathroom there. I don't know how someone could have climbed through that bathroom window to get in there. And, you know, would a burglar or would someone coming in hide in a bathroom? And I, I don't know, lock themselves in, you know. It, to me, it, the whole story just sounds um, contrived to me. And I think that uh, I could, you know, if, if he got convicted of first-degree murder, I, you know, I can absolutely see that. I can absolutely see it. So, uh, um, and if he doesn't, 
then I think there's a lot of other intangibles in play, including his status and reputation in South Africa if he gets a culpable homicide. Because from what I've heard, I've con- I convict him of murder, of first-degree murder. What's your take on his attorney as a defense attorney yourself, uh, Barry Rue, his uh, lead yeah. defense counsel? He's a character. I mean, this guy is a character. And, you know, we listen to these Brits, you know, not these Brits, but here he is, South African, but he's got that, you know, very proper British accent, and he's, you know, suggesting things here and suggesting this, and I'll suggest this. It's beautiful. I love to hear it. I love the mastery of the vocabulary, you know, and he got antagonistic, and he fights with the witnesses. He fought with Pistorius, which, again, is shocking to me to get away with it for as long as he did. But, uh, he did, and that's their style, and that's how they do things. And I think he's competent, and I think he's doing the very best he can with what he has to work with. I'm, I'm not saying that he's, you know, um, a whack job. I, I think he is um, a good attorney, and he's got a fine reputation, and I think he's, he's given it his all. Let's put it that way. He's definitely given it his all. The question is, is that going to be enough to save this guy um, with this uh, black female judge ruling on his future and his life? Uh, I, I can absolutely see him uh, getting convicted of first degree, though, from what I've seen so far. And by the way, have you been, by the way, have have no doubt in your mind. At least I don't. She's going back to Italy. They are going to extradite her, and she is going to have to go back to Italy and face uh, face you know sing oh, that really? song down there. Yeah, she's going to have to go back because we have a treaty with Italy, and we may not agree with their criminal justice system, but that's their system. And uh, she's been convicted of murder, and I tell you, King, in, in the United States, I've seen convictions with less evidence than they've, they have on her, and uh, I think she's going back. I really do. Everyone's saying, oh, no way, no way. Yeah, way. I think the United States is going to have to uh, arrest her and bring her uh, and, and have her extradited back to Italy. I really do. She's, I don't think she's going to be able to stay here. You think she's guilty? Oh, it's, it, this is a real sordid tale there. You know, I, I think she uh, has, a, has a lot to do with it. If, if not, she did it. I mean, I think it's... I think it's... She's no innocent babe on this one. I think there's just too much too much that has come out that puts her uh, there and uh, and there's plenty of uh, reason and plenty of motive with financial issues and, and other issues. I think that uh, old Foxy Noxy, I think she's in uh, bad shape to be honest with you. I, I, I think she's going back to Italy and I think she's going to go to prison for life. I mean, she's going to get hammered. Okay, what about Shaky Mom? Have you been keeping an eye on that trial? Which one is this now? I'm sorry. The mother who killed her two children, 15 and 11, I believe. Yeah, you know, I'm not up on that too much. But, you know, when, when you'll you have to get some sort of sympathy when you go to trial. And, and when you are a child killer, any hope of sympathy for you is, goes out the window. Now, Yates, I mean, I don't even know. Something went terribly, terribly wrong in that case for her to have been able to fall onto that insanity and have this jury buy it because, you know, those poor kids, I mean, just the vision of them in the car, you know, and her, you know, pushing them into the water like that. I don't know how you overcome that to claim that she's a whack job, but she was, and I guess her husband even said she was nuts, so that's kind of what swung the day there. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of these cases out here that are just um, gut-wrenching, 
And, you know, we look at a Sterling situation, which to me is just overblown and overreacted and, and not reacted based on all the facts that we have or we don't have. And, uh, you know, you look at this Blade Runner situation where, you know, this young woman is just annihilated in her own bathroom by this this guy who opened fire on a closed bathroom door. He wasn't even threatened. I mean, he doesn't say someone threatened him. He heard a gun. Somebody shot at him. He didn't. He didn't say any of that. You know, his story right. really is bad. It's bad. His defense is bad, and uh, I, I think that uh, a good old New York jury would have put this guy away. That's what I think. What do you think of our new mayor, being a New York guy? Uh, you know, he seems to be obsessed on the horses, you know. I mean, I don't know what else is he doing. I mean, reading every day about the horses and the carriages, and, and he wants to get rid of them, and now they want to stay, and there's a compromise. There's so many other important issues for the city, and he steps on the heels of uh, Bloomberg, who, you know, was one of the greatest mayors the city ever had. So... I don't know. I think he's got to hit his own stride soon and, and, and diversify his attention and, and maybe get off this horse thing because, uh, you know, I don't think they're going anywhere. Do you? I mean, uh, they, 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 the testimony is by vets and everybody else that they're treated so good, although, you know, you look, look you know, you got to be in the August in New York City and go by the Central Park there and, and see these poor horses out there. I mean, I don't know how they're being treated so good in that weather, but... Uh, at the end of the day, apparently uh, these horses elsewhere are not treated as well, and they're you know they're 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 fed properly, and they've given vitamins, and, and vets are seeing them, and they're they're bathed properly, and they're taken care of. I, I don't know how I stand on that, so I really can't I, I can't make an informed decision on the mayor right now because I I don't know what has he done. He hasn't done anything, and other than announce his birthday party, I think at Gracie Mansion now, and. Uh, <laughs> And the horses. What else? He's got to step up and do something now. You know, make a difference. He's got to do something. I'm waiting. Governor Christie. <laughs> Governor Christie. You see uh, him getting high, high ranks, or is he going to go down? He's done. He's finished. Christie is finished. He, and 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 you know, there was a lot of high hopes for him running for the Republican ticket, for maybe president. But you know, in reality, who who in the South would ever vote? for Christie, you know, for president. And you need to carry the South. And he, he couldn't get garner the Southern votes, I don't think. And this whole Bridgegate thing just reeks of just, you know, just horrible. And whether he knew or he didn't know, you know, he should have known. It's his administration. It's his people. He has to be responsible for that. The buck stops with him. And, and although, you know, during the hurricane and everything. I praised him for reaching out to Obama, and I thought this guy really cares about his state, and it's you know wonderful what he's doing. As all the Republicans bashed him for doing that, it was ridiculous. But uh, now I think that this this whole debacle and uh, a little more intensity on him. But I do feel good for him because it looks like he lost a lot of weight, huh? I think that that band uh, is working on him. Not as much so, as you. But... <laughs> yeah, I wish I wish him well. <laughs> Yeah. What about Hillary Clinton? I think she's your next president. I really do. I don't know, you know, who's going to what, what are they going to do? I mean, who do the Republic they're going to they're going to bring Jeb Bush is is the Bush name are are people desensitized to it enough to bring a Bush back right now and all and you know, Jeb Bush is a pretty competent guy and a and a sophisticated uh, politician. So, 
I don't know. And I, you know, I mean, a lot of a lot of Democrats could be looking for a moderate Republican and make that move. I mean, you know, it's that middle ground that's going to determine the election. And and I think if you had a strong candidate coming now, a strong Republican candidate, I think it's, you know, I, I think it could be theirs for the taking. But you know, I just don't see anybody on the horizon for the Republicans. I think the Tea Party has splintered the Republican Party, and and you know, you got Hillary who's sitting back, and you know, this Beng- that's why they're so hip, hip on Benghazi. They can't let go of Benghazi because they want to try to tag Hillary with that and muddy her up with that. Because if they can't, you know, it, it looks like it's kind of smooth sailing for her. So, uh, and and maybe it is time for a woman president. Maybe it's time for her to be president. I, I don't know. But to me, at this point, I would have to say it looks like Hillary's your next president. Wow, uh, that's a bold statement, and uh, we'll have to see what happens with that. And uh, we thank you for uh, joining us here on King George Radio, Richard. Always a pleasure. One of the King, best, you're great. Uh, you do a wonderful job, and it's a credit to you that you get the guests that you get. People look forward to getting on with you, and uh, I wish you continued success, my friend. And keep in touch with me. Absolutely, and uh, you know, do your thing on Saturdays around noon. People catch you on East Time on CNN. You do a great job there. You're looking good. And uh, keep up the great work, Richard. Thank you. Give my regards to Joey next time you speak to him, okay? No doubt, no doubt. Okay, All right, everybody. Well. That Take care, Richard. That was the great Richard Herman, New York defense attorney. And uh, a lot of interesting things he had to say about Donald Sterling, Oscar Pistorius, and much, much more. If you want to hear the replay, uh, just wait a little bit and then uh, reload the page, and you can download this on iTunes. Uh, Stay with us tomorrow as the mighty Quinn will join in. We will talk uh, NBA playoffs round number two, NHL Yankees. Follow us on Facebook.com slash King Jordan Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Mr. King Jordan. Ladies and gentlemen, let's stay happy, and uh, we will speak to you tomorrow. King Jordan Radio.